0: amazing, isn't it, to to be in the presence of God, to be in a church where we have the freedom to express God's power in its fullness. I remember when God called us firstly into the ministry, and we were a bit like Moses. God, don't send us. We don't really know how to do this or what to say. And God said this to us, I want you to build a church from your own heart. Build a church not fashioned after things that you have seen or things that are normal or things that are accepted or things that are required or things that are copied, but build a church out of something that comes out of the very heart of who you and Phil are. And so we thought about that. What are our values? What are the values? Who knows that values create culture and the culture comes down from the head of the home, who knows that. So you know in your own homes, you have values by which you wanna live by and you teach those values to your children or to your flatmates or whoever you're living with, say these are the values that I have and therefore this is the culture that I choose to live in. So Phil and I sat down and we, someone said to us come up with about 10 values that represent your culture. And we came up with 10 and then we whittled it down and we whittled it down until we came up with three words, that the culture that we wanted to have within our church would be a culture of experience, That, that people would experience God, that you wouldn't come into a religious church and experience religion or godlessness, but they would come in and they would meet with a living God. And they would meet and have an experience in Him. And therefore, our second word was transform. Experience God and be transformed by the power of God through an intimate relationship with God that comes out of experience in Him and therefore living for Him. Not doing what you're told to do, listening to a sermon each Sunday and go, okay, I better do that so I'm a good Christian. But actually, coming out of an experiencing God that transforms the inner person, heals the past, heals the inner person, transforms the way we think, transforms the way we feel. How many of you know that when people in the Bible met with God, they firstly had an experience, or if they met with Jesus, and secondly, they were transformed, they did not stay the same. But they weren't transformed by the methods of men or by rules and regulations. How many of you know the whole Old Testament shows us that that doesn't work? But they were transformed by an experience with a living God, an all-powerful God who came into their lives and transformed them from the inside out. The Bible says from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory being transformed into the very image of God. Back to the original state. See, we started out being created in the image of God. And how many of you know that image over time gets tainted? And that's why the Bible says it's like looking in a mirror, that we vaguely can't see who we are. But when Jesus Christ comes, when the power of God comes, we are transformed into His image little bit by little bit, from glory to glory, from experience to experience, and we become like we were originally supposed to be, restored to the original intent of who we are in Christ, free of what we used to say, encumbrances. When Phil used to sell things, he was always selling things, he was buying cars, doing them up, selling them. He would put free of all encumbrances. And I think Christ has given us the power through his death, shed blood, resurrection, He has given us the power to live free of encumbrances, to be transformed. And then the third word that we came up with was to belong. See, once we're experiencing God, once we're transformed by the power of God, then we automatically learn how to belong, because we're not pretending to be something that we're not. We're not We're not trying to be something that fits into something. We're not joining a social club that we have to dress a certain way or speak a certain way or be associated with a certain social group to be a part of this. But in actual fact, we learn to belong by learning to be ourselves. And so as we experience God, amen, we're transformed And we receive our original identity. And therefore, we can present that identity to a body of people called the family of God, where we are free to be ourselves and to not just love ourselves, but to love others. Jesus said the two greatest commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Experience, transform, and belong. Last week we had water baptisms and I don't know if you were here or not. There was many of you who weren't here, but there was many who were here. And we set up a pool in the corner over here. And I mean, that's just a normal pool. It's just normal water. There's nothing holy in the water. There's nothing unusual about a blue plastic pool. But what happens when people step into that water with a heart that's open to God is that they experience Him. They don't experience a religious requirement, but they experience Him. And then they are transformed and they learn how to belong. Wouldn't you say that, Renee? Did you have an experience last Sunday? You certainly did. And so did many other people have an experience in God. I mean, we saw in the waters of baptism, we saw deliverance. Oh my gosh, don't talk about that. We don't talk about that in church. People, this is church. This is the place where people meet with Jesus and they're set free. Why should we send people off hurting worse than when they came in? But we need to set them up, send them out. free and healed and transformed and empowered and experiencing God so that they can share that then with someone else. This is the plan of Christianity, and this was the birthing of the church. Amen. In Acts 1.8, it says this. I'll tell you what I'm speaking on. I'm speaking on experience, transforming, and belonging, because right now in this season, we want to offload to you and um, offload to you. We want to share with you who we are as a church. So next Sunday is Vision Sunday, and Pastor Phil and a lot of the team will be sharing a lot of vision about who we are, what we do, how we function, and what is the heart behind what we do. And I wanted to start that with these three words, unpacking this. Everyone in this church should understand, I go to C3 Tugra, where people experience God, where people are transformed, and where people find belonging. Three words, it's not hard to uh, remember those three words, but get them in your spirit what they mean so that you can share them with other people. So Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power, and Pastor Phil said that this morning, everybody say power. power, power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, And to the ends of the earth. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Wyong, in Gosford, in Mardi, in Avoca, in wherever you come from, and even to the outermost parts of the earth in Nairobi, Kenya. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 2, We see the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. Now, this is the birthing of the church. A lot of people ask me the question, what kind of church are you? And I say, a Pentecostal church. And they go, oh, okay, that's nice. So how does that function? But I want to say this. I want to say that every church should be a Pentecostal church because the birthing of the church came in power. And the birthing of the church came in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the birthing of the church came to release all believers to function as priests from the house of God, in the house of God, and out to the streets. It made preachers out of fishermen, it made bold people out of people that were afraid. This day changed history. Where every day leading up to this, there had been a plan of God that had been unfolding, and this day, the day of Pentecost, was the birthing of the new covenant, the church, through Jesus Christ. Amen. So, on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost was being as the, on the day of Pentecost, all the disciples were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house. ...out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering that it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. and They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit... ...and were inspired to speak in tongues... ...empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. And then in verse 14 we see this. Peter stood up with the eleven apostles... And shouted to the crowd, listen carefully my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, it's only nine in the morning. But this is the fulfilment of what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. For God says, this is what I will do in the last days. "'I will pour out my Spirit on everybody "'and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy, "'and your young men will see visions, "'and your old men will experience dreams from God. "'The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, "'men and women alike, and they will prophesy.'" I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the skies above and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire, pillars of cloud will appear for the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before that great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This was the birth of the church. The church was birthed in power. And you will receive power when my spirit is poured out. You will receive power. And the second thing was, I will pour out my spirit on everyone. How many of you know in the Old Testament, the spirit of God was poured out on kings, priests, and prophets? And they would be the spokesmen for the people, The people didn't have a relationship with God like we have. It was the priests, the kings, and the prophets that had this special in to God. And they would come out and they would talk to the people and tell them what God had said so the people could get a secondhand message about how to live, about warnings from God, about, you know, repenting and turning from their sin and following after God, otherwise disaster would fall on them and all these kind of things but there was no direct access to God. It was secondhand information. How many of you know God never intended the birthing of the power of the New Covenant Church to be a place where you receive secondhand information from a priest, a prophet, or a king? But Jesus came, and when He died on that cross... The temple curtain was rent in two and the very presence of the God who used to be behind a curtain and could only be visited by the priests who would then speak to the prophets and God would speak to the prophets and God would speak to the kings. But He would only speak to them and He's behind a curtain because if He spoke to man, man would have dropped dead in his sin. But Jesus came and as His blood was shed for the sins of all mankind, there was given a divine access into the very presence of God, into the very private place of God, into the very intimate place with God. And the curtain was rent into and the very presence of God came out and there was a great earthquake and the skies turned dark and people were running everywhere. And the people that had hung Jesus on that cross turned around and said, surely this was the Son of God. Surely this was the Son of God. What have we done? But you know that Jesus had to die. Anytime he could have called on countless angels to come and deliver him, he could have anytime said, God, I can't go through with this. But he had to die. You know, the Bible says that, that, that God hardened the hearts of the Pharisees so that they would go through with the plan. God used every element to make sure the plan was successful and that Jesus' blood was shed for the sins of mankind once and for all, not through lambs or sacrifices or holy rituals, but that God, the very presence of God, could again meet with man face to face like a man speaks to his friends. And he would empower each and every one of them with the same power that he gave Jesus. Jesus continuously demonstrated when he walked the earth the same power that we have to walk in. So we haven't been called as a New Testament church, as a new covenant church, to come to church week after week, sit here and listen to the priest, and then go out and live normal lives as normal citizens and do nothing. As a New Testament church, the gathering together of the believers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. My job, Phil's job, Jilly's job, Andrew's job, Evan's job, Jesse's job, the leaders of this church, the prayer teams in this church, everyone who leads a department, everyone who's leading youth, including young adults and, and, and bringing us, we've all got the same thing in mind. Let's train And equip and empower these people to do the work of the ministry. Now you think ministry is pulpit. Ministry is like world scary stuff. Ministry is this. Ministry is sharing the very God that you speak to, I hope, every day. Ministry is sharing that with a world who thinks he's still behind a curtain judging them. A scary God who they can't come near. But when Jesus walked throughout the earth, he shared the love of God and he showed them that they could approach God through him. And we have the same message that they can boldly approach the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. We have a gift to give away. We have a gift to give away. And that's the passion of our church is that we will never have pew sitters that we never have religious people that come to church to tick off their requirement list for the week. But we would have people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, so in love with Jesus, so in love with their Father God, so healed and restored and transformed that they go out and they give the love of God away and see lives experienced and transformed, and a sense of belonging comes in the community. In the, how many people can we bring into this church? I mean, do we have 30,000 people, 300,000 people on the coast? How many? 30? 300? Oh, that was close. I got 30 and then I got 300 and put them together. 330,000 people on the Central Coast. Even if every church on the Central Coast was to pack itself to the gills, we're not going to fit that many people in the church. And I know that a lot of people are over mega church. They're just over it because they want community. They want intimacy. They want friendships. And so be it. But you know what? How we can reach 330,000 people on the Central Coast? Through the one. Through the one. You know, you begin to pray and ask God, God, who is it on my heart? Who is it within my heart that you've given me? I know right now it's my brother and his girlfriend. I mean, you know, I just can't stop crying right now for them. I just know God's speaking to them. I can hear him. No one comes to the Father that comes to Jesus unless the Father first calls. And you can, if you listen, you'll hear him calling. He's calling. He's calling to people. And he's calling them through you. It's not going to be some burning bush that happens. It's not going to be some one day they happen to walk into church. You You're the Moses, you're the David, you're the Joseph. Come on, he sent you, he's anointed you with power, amen? Um, We're reading at the moment uh, the Bible in 30 days. Woo, that's why I've got like, woo, how much can I give you in one sermon? Like, I'm just so full of the Word right now. Um, So I'm up to the book of Acts right now. And you know what, I've just gone so slow through that, even though I know I've only got four days left to finish the Bible. But I'm just doing a couple of days on Acts, because I'm just like, whoa, this is so profound. This is who we're supposed to be. This is us. Um, You need to read the book of Acts and remind yourself just what the church is supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. Um, You'll be astounded by what you could do. Little old you. Little old you. If you just got the revelation of who's inside of you and who's you are, I love what Rach said this morning. You know, God is not out there. God is in here. He's in here. He's in here. But who knows that as humans, we have a tendency to package things in a way that we humanly can understand them, even our own lives, or in a way that makes us comfortable. And time and time and time again, If you read the Word of God and even look at the church of today, you would see that people get more comfortable with religion than they do with reality and being real. Every revival that has ever happened is quenched by well-meaning people trying to package it in a way they understand or can control. In 2 Timothy 3.5, it says this, Having a form of godliness but denying the power therein what is a form? Let's look at the definition of form. Let's break this right down. A form is the visible shape or configuration of something, the outward form of appearance. So having a form, a visible shape, a configuration of something, an outward form or appearance is the form of godliness, denying the power therein man is a spiritual creature but the human spirit needs a body to live in is that right so we we're spiritual beings but we have a form this is how I present myself is it all right Evan is my form all right not bad for an old bird but this is how I present myself this is how I express myself through this form but within me is the true me Within me is the spirit being that will live forever with God. It's the same way with religion. It's the same way with Christianity. It's essentially a spiritual thing, but it requires a form in which to embody or manifest itself. Is that right? That's where we have the church. The church is the form, the structure. Why do we put seats out? Goodness sake. Why do we have worship team? Why do we have lights? Why do we have a building? This is the form, and it's necessary. It's always necessary to have a form to present something from. Is that right? The form is useful. The form is necessary. The form ought to be vitalized. And I love what Jilly and the team have done to this church lately to vitalize the form. How incredible is it to walk in here and... See the painted walls on the kids' church and the gardens and everything being done. It's so important to have a vitalized form and to have a well-structured and well-planned form. Because we're not idiots. You know, we're not just like dumb creatures. We're made to build a form to hold whatever God has inside. Just as the body is useful and is necessary and we look after that body... And we structure that body well to hold our spirits, don't we? You know, I've got to look after my body because I want to I wanna live and, and, and preach, hopefully, for a long time to come. And so I've got to look after this form so that my spirit can continue to do what God has asked me to do until the day he takes me home and I know i finished the work that he gave me to do on earth. And it's the same with the church. You know, we need a structure, we need we need a form, but the form cannot contain or discount the power within, and that's what I love about the leadership of this church and the way we work together as a team, because we have the two things working together, we have the form and we have the spirit. Just pass me that babushka doll, I found out babushka means in Russian, an old lady, but um, I didn't think that was very, I don't know why Kate Bush sang, Babushka, Babushka, old lady, old lady, old lady. I don't know why she did that. But anyway, so this is a Babushka doll. Just come up here, Rach, and hold it for me on that little platform. And Those of you who are listening on podcast, I've just bought a, a little Babushka doll up here. Now this is, you can hold it up so everyone can see. This is the outward form. But if you open the Babushka doll, da inside is the inward spirit so this outward casing of this babushka doll I need to lose weight the stage is starting to cave on me I like, crack no was that you no it was it's us together anyway this is the outward form of the church, and we need that. How many of you know we need that? We need good structure, we need good teams, we need good leadership, we need all those things. We need new Christian classes, we need teaching, we need kids' church, we need all those things done well and excellently, we need offices and we need teams and we need volunteers, and there's so much that goes on. Someone said to me one day, oh, you're a minister, are you? Because that's the only way you can say because if I say pastor, they think they can eat me for Italian dinner. I say, I'm a minister. And they go, oh, you're a minister. So what do you do the other six days of the week? It's like, okay, you really don't understand the form. (laughs) The form. How much work that takes and how a lot of us put so many hours in. Thank you, Kay and Julie and Katrina and all the people in the background that make that happen. Volunteers in the office. Right, so. But here is our, this is the part where the church goes wrong. Because they build the form. Thanks, Rach. You can... Because we're going to cave. They build the form, but they deny the power that is within the form. And we end up with religion. That's what we end up with. We end up with stinking religion. And so we've got to be careful that we model both the form as modeled in the Word of God, and the power as bestowed by the Spirit of God, and we'll all do well. Because if we can have those two things flourishing at all times, not giving way to one or the other, but keeping that healthy balance, then we're gonna have mature Christians who are well-trained with a great facility, which gives honor to God, but who are empowered by the Holy Spirit and do the works of ministry. If you have the power alone without form, we've seen that before, it ends up a big fat mess. It ends up a mess. There's no structure, there's no discipleship, there's no follow-up, there's no, there's no nice building, there's nothing. I mean, we've lived there. We did five years in a tent, you know. We know what it's like to live without the form. But then we learnt over the years that just having the power without the form was so messy and so not right. But what we have to do as a church and within your own selves, within your own self, I'm encouraging you, Jesus, God in here, to not lose the spirit as you get used to the form. Because we don't want to have a form of godliness and deny the power of Therein. If we have the power alone without form, we maim ourselves. But if we get the form without the power, then we dwell in spiritual death. The form of godliness denying the power therein. Who understands that scripture now? You know, how many of you have gone to a religious service where there's it's great form going on? There's great structure There's great maybe lights and cameras and action and great music and everything's perfect. Everything's running like a well or and you sit there and you feel nothing because we can't have the form without the power. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. All this is to make you feel comfortable enough so God can come in and get you, basically. Paul was speaking to the Christians, the church, when he said this a form of godliness denying the power therein. This is the very thing that Jesus came against when he walked the earth. You know, I'm reading like from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and I cannot see one account from the time that Jesus steps foot on the earth that he has a problem or an argument with any unsaved, sinful, broken, you know, ordinary people. He doesn't have a, he's got no beef. Never, does he, Andrew, ever. He never has an issue with anyone. It doesn't matter if you're the worst sinner in the world, Jesus does not have a beef with you. We all think he's got a beef with us because we, you know, said a swear word yesterday, get over it. Jesus does not have a beef with you. What he has a beef with and the only people that he ever argued with and the only people that he ever was really strong with and really firm with was the religious leaders of the day because they had a form denying the power. They denied the power so much, Rachel, that they didn't even see the Messiah when he stood in front of them. They didn't, even though it had been prophesied right through the Old Testament. They had prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Everybody prophesied about it. He's coming. Isaiah and David, they all prophesied he's coming. He's coming. And he's standing there in front of them, and they can't see it because their religious form is like (laughs) hard as a rock. Hearts like stone. And Jesus said to them, and he said many other things. Oh, my God. I mean, we could write a book. We have. They have already written it, by the way, Andrew. But we could write a book on just the things Jesus said to the Pharisees. And we would get an idea of how much he hates religion. How much he hates when people try to take these little ones, these innocent ones these ones that are hungry, these ones that are longing to see him and to touch him and, and to experience him, how he hates it when they come along and they, and they, they, they rebuke the little ones, they rebuke the children, they, they, they judge them. How could you touch a sinner like that? You know, how could you be around the children? Why would the children start, shout, Hosanna, Hosanna? You know, Jesus said, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. I've come for such as these. I've come for ordinary, everyday people who will experience me and be transformed by my power and learn how to belong as children of the Most High God in the family of God and build my church and go forth and conquer the earth. Jesus said this to them, one of the things, Matthew fifteen seven to 9, I'm nearly finished. Frauds and hypocrites... Isaiah described you perfectly when he said, These people honour me only with their words, for their hearts are very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than empty traditions of men. I don't know about you folks, but we can't get around like self-righteous people either, because there's been plenty of times when I've been in a worship service thinking about what I was going to cook for dinner. You know, we have to fight that inner thing all the time but because Jesus knows our hearts. He doesn't look at us like Pharisees. He doesn't get upset with us when we're trying and we don't quite get there. He just loves it that maybe out of three songs, we tune into half a song and go, oh, there you are, there you are, there you are, Jesus. And he connects with you and he meets with you and he loves it. I just met God so much in that worship today, Julie and Doug, thanks so much for that. In our day, and especially in the Western world, I would say the root problem of empty religion or the form of godliness denying the power then them within our own selves um, is misplaced affections. That's what I would say. Because we, we don't have persecution. We don't have these things happening to us, but we have misplaced affections affections. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 2-4, to we are lovers of ourselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Do you know, you know, you look at people in third world countries and you go to a third world country and miracles are happening like this, like this, like this, like this. I go to preach in a third world country and there's people crying and there's people experiencing God, you know, because they don't have those things to fall back on. They come out for healing, they go, I can't afford to go to a doctor, therefore if I don't get healed today, I'm dead. And so I'm believing, I'm putting everything I have into this, but we just go, well, if he heals me, that's fine, but otherwise I can go to the doctor. Or if he meets my need, that's fine, but otherwise I'll just, and we have this, we have an option, we have plan B, as Westerners, we have plan B up our sleeves all the time, and we've just got to be careful of that, that's all. We just got to continuously, like Fleur said, pull yourself back in and keep saying, God, everything I have, I give to you. Experience, transform, belong. Mark 1 15. His message was this At last, the fulfillment. Yes, Julie, I can have the team. At last, the fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced. In all its fullness. I'm going to read that again. I want you to say it with me. Let's read it together. At last, is it up there? At last, the fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in a hope-filled gospel. When I go and speak to my brother, and his wife, which I'm feeling God pulling me closer to every day, any day it's going to happen. You've got to understand, these people are hard to God. They don't want God. They've been abusive and horrible. They've got terrible lives. And we'll cut that out of the tape. But listen to me. I know God's working on their hearts. And I know that I have something of a hope-filled gospel inside of me. I know that if God... Can visit a man like Saul who was killing Christians and persecuting Christians such a such a, a religious leader of his day killing and persecuting Christians going after them and thinking it was God I know if God Jesus can visit a man like that knocking to the ground in a great flood of light take away his eyes causing to be blind and then when he opens his eyes the Bible says he goes out and begins to preach straight away straight away if, if, if Jesus can do that for Saul can he do it for your friend for my friend, can he do it for me can he give me an encounter with him that will take me into 2019, that will take me out of my religion and my form And remind me of the power that is within me, that is here to transform the world. No, it's not priests, kings, and prophets that are called to change the world. It's you. It's you. It's ordinary people. It's ordinary people that fall in love with an extraordinary God. And that extraordinary God uses a human form. He puts His Spirit in a human form and He flows through and He changes things. It's not when you're good enough, if I'm good enough, when I've done Bible college, you know, when I've got my life together. He used people straight away. Mary Magdalene He casts seven demons out of her and she's on the road preaching the gospel. Straight away, straight away, you are the hope of the world. The price that Jesus paid was not so we could return to dead religion. Please God, help us, help us. You know, a river needs banks, who knows that? Phil Pringles says this powerful thing that he said, that I've never forgotten. A river needs banks, but the banks of the river are formed by the flow of that river. They are not a structure, they're not a straight line. The banks don't come first and then the river, the river forms the banks. And if the banks aren't there, the river will flood and there'll be disaster. But if the banks are formed by the river and maintained by the river, the power of God, then the river will go to the nations, as it said in the book of Revelations, and many will come to Jesus and many will be healed by the trees that are planted along the edge of the river, which is you. Your leaves, the leaves of your trees are for the healing of the nations. And there were many fish in that river, fish of different colours and types and sizes. There's many fish. The harvest is ripe, but the labourers are few. You are the river of God that's going out into those places where there's just water that's stuck and and muddy and swampy. And you flow your river through there with the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. And you move that swampy water and you flow fresh living water through the lives of every human being you come into contact with. This is the commission we were given. This is the power we were given. And this is the church in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 10, 7 to 8. As you go, Jesus said, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible and close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick. Make it your habit to break off demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Anybody want a habit of raising some dead people? We can do it if we believe. Keep faith. This is my last word to you today. Keep faith. I know after, how old am I? 29. It's 36 years I've been a Christian, is it 30, no more. 38 years. 38 years since I had an encounter with Jesus Christ that turned my life upside down and changed me forever. 38 years. I've been waiting for this to happen. But you know in that 38 years, from seeing Jesus, like Joseph, having that dream, as Fleur said, the journey gets like this and we can lose faith on the way. And that's why you have prophets that are amongst you that will stir it up again, that will remind you of God, that will talk about what God has said and the promises of God to stir you up to those things again. Keep faith, don't allow complacency and disappointment to cause you to lose faith. Matthew 11, 6. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose faith in me, no matter what happens. From the moment, Matthew eleven twelve, 12, from the moment John stepped into the sea until now, that's John the Baptist. The realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. You're in this church because you're passionate. You might be visiting this church today and you go, what is this all about? But there's a passion inside of you that God has called you here today. Even if you're on holidays, God has called you to hear a word today that's going to make that passion inside of you be reignited. Passionate people have taken hold of its power. Many prophets and godly people long to see what you see. They longed for it, and you have it. I'm just going to read this last scripture to you, and then we're going to stand and pray. Matthew 11:25. Then Jesus exclaimed, "Father, thank you for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth, and you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead," You have shared it with those who are humble within themselves, ordinary people like you and me. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you have chosen this way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. This world doesn't need any more dead religion. It needs real people in real relationship with a real God expressing themselves through real power which brings real answers. Matthew 28:18, then Jesus came to them and said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I am with you to the end of the age. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you, God. Holy Spirit, we worship you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, while every eye is closed, if that really meant something today, if you said, God, I don't wanna deny the power inside. I want your power to flow through me. I want your power to flow through this church. And if the power flows through each one of you individually, how much more power we have in the church? Close your eyes before him right now. Just say a little prayer to him right now from your own heart. God, I repent. I repent of empty worship. I repent, Lord, of denying the power within myself and within this church. Maybe you've heard this for the first time today and go, God, I want to know this power right now with every eye closed if you've never met jesus christ as your lord and savior you've never experienced jesus you may have gone to church you may be in religion but you've never experienced jesus i want to pray with you right where you are right now i'm not going to call anyone out i know the power of god is strong enough to reach you right where you're standing with every eye closed just lift your hand and say julia i want you to pray I want to say that prayer from my heart and I want to meet Jesus for the first time or maybe you're coming back to Him this morning. Just lift your hand, wave to me like that and say, that's me, Julie. Thank you, Jesus. From the front to the back, to the right, to the left, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your Word. We ask you, Lord, that your Word would go deep in us today transform us as we experience you and learn how to belong. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c 3 telgraorgau We hope to see you at church soon.